So I think a good question to start, and this is a question with a lot of follow-ups, is when did you start this company and why? Am I answering right now? Are we yeah. like recording? <laughs> We're going. Oh, we, we okay, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I was I so informed. You couldn't even tell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, when did I do that? Welcome to Startup Gym, a show about the hard work, coaches, and community that go into building a company. Our startup gym is Science Inc., an incubator and venture studio in Los Angeles. Today's episode is with Sophia Parsa, co-founder of Two, a company that aims to create access to education through their app, Homework Helper. We talk about education systems, the learning process, relationship building, and Sophia's dinner series outside of the company called Mountain Gate. Let's get into it. Um, okay, so I started the company actually three years ago, but it was an entirely different business. Um, it was an agency model with like a twist on what was really cool then, which is the Uberization of anything, right? So mm-hmm. we were like, oh, like, wouldn't it be cool if you could just be at the library on your at your school and click a button and someone, a classmate, someone on campus will just come and meet you and teach you whatever you need help with, right? And... So I started it because the night before my finance final, my tutor's wife went into labor and I was stuck at the library <laughs> and um, emailed my professor. He's like, no, you cannot not show up for the exam. You know, you need to come in and you need to take the exam. And here's someone who might be able to help you. And so I met with this guy, Joe, on campus and within like 15 minutes he was there within 30 minutes I understood the lesson and I was good to go but the stress it took to find that person was so insane insane enough for me to be like I'm gonna start this. Right. <laughs> right so um I started my first company at that time by the way were there steps between I realized that this is a pain point and I'm starting a company like did you was there what was the like research process between you going through that experience and you just being like okay screw it I'm gonna start this so it's interesting because I, when it happened, I was like, man, it sucks that nothing like this exists, mm-hmm. right? But I actually didn't do anything about it in that moment because I was already busy with my last company. And I guess it didn't occur to me that I should leave what I was doing to start this. Mm-hmm. Right? What was your last company? Um, it was a digital signage company. Okay. So we were doing hardware, software, and we got a pilot with a location that had 300 stores. And we were going to sell advertisements against these screens in the stores. And as I was, I was at CES with my dad and we were getting monitors for the, for the pilot. And it was the moment that I realized that I hated what I was doing. Hmm. And in that moment, I was like, I need to be doing something that feels true to me. Sure. And my dad was like, well, what are problems that you face that you want to solve? And I was like, this one, right? This problem that I had in college just a few months ago. Mm. And it was it was a mixed – it was weird because a part of me felt terrible to pull a contract like that. And I knew the upsides of that business was going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was not put on this planet to sell ads. It just wasn't. Sure. You know? <laughs> At least I didn't feel that. And um, at the same time, the Forbes 30 Under 30 came out. And I was checking out – at the airport, I had never heard of it. And I just saw all these young people I related to because they were similar to my age. They were all trying to solve their own problems mm-hmm. right? or problems that they thought uh, worth solving. And and 
it just occurred to me that at that point you you don't have to do something just because there's an upside right like you can do something because you you feel there's a problem and that you have this like drive and passion and it's funny because I'm like I just gave up so quickly on that last business right like it was so fast that I was mm-hmm. just like I'm done with this it was in that moment right but with two although we went through a lot I never gave up on it right and so that right. was kind of the lesson learned okay that's great <laughs> what were the steps you took when you decided that this was the thing so I was at CES and funny enough two friends were driving up there one a designer the other a developer for like a, a big startup in LA and I was sitting there in the room with my dad and he was like, well, I guess we shouldn't go look for monitors because you don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> so him and I just start to brainstorm on, you know, how the process of bu- booking a tutor would look like, mm-hmm. right? And I also, like, without even realizing, had already started an agency on campus because people knew I was like tutor girl, right? Like people knew they could come to oh, me and I would know yeah. who the tutors on campus right. were. And so I was like, let's just build some tech so that I don't have to be tutor girl. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like right. the app could be Tutor Girl and I'll just sit back. Right? Um, Did you ever think of the name Tutor Girl instead of No, but tutor? I kind of like it. Tutor Girl. Rebrand. <laughs> Where did the name Toot come from? I mean, it's pretty obvious, but like. It came after the app. Like when we, uh, so, sorry, back to the story and then I'll tell you yeah, how that sorry, happened. Yeah, sorry. That was um, a bad follow-up question. <laughs> Keep going with the story. My So my friends came up there to Vegas and mm-hmm. instead of going to CES, which they we're hoping to do because we had passes. I pitched them the idea of doing this and they said, let's start. Right. And they're not my co-founders today, but they definitely helped me um, come up with the next steps and how I should go about building it and ideas of how the UI would look like and what it should be built on. And, you know, mm-hmm. all the stuff that I just didn't know at the time. Um, they were really educating me on it. And as far as the, where the name came from, at first we were like, oh, let's call it like Ace or let's call it like, you know, just tutor. <laughs> right. And I was like, that's not fun and it's not memorable. And I just want something that is a short name that makes, so toot is short for tutor. Mm-hmm. Most people don't get that initially. Really? But that's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Some people are like, why are you calling it? Clever. Fart. Right. Like, why oh. are you calling it? <laughs> I don't know. There's tons of things that toot uh, actually stands for. You can urban dictionary it okay. for fun. Um, (laughs) but that's where the name came from and it just is something that whether kids find it playful or Mm -hmm. love like some people think it's cute they remember it and that's all i want cool and it's a four letter url which is nice yeah (laughs) it's funny i think a a couple of the other guests i've had on the podcast have four letter urls it's a great branding strategy Mm -hmm. um when you were working on the digital signage business was it just you it was just me, but my dad was sort of my mentor in it. Um, I had a team mm-hmm. working under me, uh, mostly developers and salesperson gotcha. people, two sales people. <laughs> um, and you know, my dad started the digital picture frame, so cool. Invented it, I guess yeah. is what you would say. Um, and it was basically that just blown up. Got it. Right. So. Got it. He helped, but sure. My well, the reason I ask is because I mean, when you mentioned like those developers and stuff, I'm curious, like what it was like, what that experience was like breaking the news to these people that you were working on this thing with that so, it wasn't going to be around anymore. It's funny; it actually was around for a little bit, uh, just so in it a different. Around when it you stayed around, over. but I didn't, I didn't follow up, follow through with the pilot. 
Okay. Right. So we were selling on Best Buy, Staples, Office, everything. Right. And then at some point I was just like, hey, I'm going to help you transition because I'm mm-hmm. never just going to be like, hey, we're closed. Sure. Right. I'm going to help you transition. But um, this isn't just this isn't what I want to do. Sure. You know, the move that had to be made. Yeah. Got it. And then so you said that at that point you had some people that you started to with. Mm hmm. Now you have a, a different co-founder yeah. that you're working with. How did you how did you meet him? Through my dad. <laughs> Noticing a so trend. So it's like dad, dad, yeah, dad. Yeah. And my dad was a tech founder. So, mm-hmm. you know, right. the easiest target for right. me lived in my house. Or I lived in his. <laughs> but um, So when Shaq moved over here from Iran, um, my dad got a phone call from a friend of my grandfather's who ended up being Shaq's like roommate slash landlord. Wow. Gave him pretty cheap rent in, on the west side, like 600 bucks a month. If you want the nice. exact wow. number, that's crazy. For those outside of LA, <laughs> that's unheard of. <laughs> Nuts. Um, but, you know, knew that Shaq was in a position where he needed to start over and make, you know, he came mm-hmm. with $1,000. Like he's one of those, wow. right? He, Shaq came to America with $1,000. It's amazing. So... And food stamps. <laughs> but, um, did yeah. He, did he know English when he came over? Perfect English. Wow. So I didn't meet him for a month. So my dad gets okay. a call, right? And he's like, hey, I have someone living with me. He says he knows how to program. He doesn't have his social yet or some scenario, right? Because like, it takes some time when you're here on political asylum to actually get all your information to go ahead and apply a job for a job. Mm-hmm. He's like, can you give him a job? And so my dad was retired at the time and said, no, but my daughter's looking for help on her new company and maybe Shaq and her can get involved. Um, And I was working with a contractor at the time and it was just really stressful. It was Mm -hmm. hard. You can't, someone has to really feel passionate about your business and feel like they have skin in the game to really make it work. Just a different business at that point. Yeah. With contractors. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and I get it. Like, it's just a number for them. Yeah, and that's fine. Different. It's yeah. it's just a different thing. They're passionate about the code, not necessarily like the product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I texted Shaq and I was just like, hey, let's meet. We met mm-hmm. across campus in Santa Monica and he opened his mouth and he spoke perfect English. And we worked each- with each other for two weeks and he was just so dedicated and mission driven and had, you know, a really difficult time with his personal education um, that I felt he was the right person and I offered him uh, first, actually, just a developer position, right? Like, I just hired him as an engineer. Oh, okay. And then as we worked together more and more, I was like, this needs to be my co-founder. And now we're at a place where we're equal partners, right? So Awesome. Yeah. Just to kind of bring the story up to current day, and then we'll move on to some other, like, topical questions. Uh, how did you end up here at Science? So... One of our first investors, who's like an older brother to me, his name's Daniel Brukeem, and he started a company called FabFitFun. And him and Mike were in contact often, I think. And Daniel was like, I was going through uh, noticing a pivot in our business. And Daniel was like, you should meet with Mike. And originally we met, we, we emailed with Mike and it just like kind of didn't really work out. I don't even know what happened. What, to was, what was the pivot you were going through? The product today. So, mm-hmm. you know, we started off as an agency. Mm-hmm. It was basically... Like a marketplace to find tutors. Tutors, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's definitely a product that was already around, right? Um, and we started to notice that students were messaging our tutors in between lessons in the messenger of our app mm-hmm. for one-off questions. And 
you know, I tested that theory, mm-hmm. put up my phone number on an ad and said, text me if you have any homework problems that you need help with. And we got like a thousand messages in a couple of hours and I became so overwhelmed and called Mike and Dan immediately. And it's funny because Mike actually, Mike is Dan's brother. Mike hmm. had asked us, why don't we do this from the start? Like, why aren't you doing it this way? Right. And I was like, no, like we're doing it this way and we have traction and we want to do the agency thing. And I called them and I was like, we tested it and it's, it's working. Like we need to figure out what, what the next steps are. So we had like a meeting of the minds. And at the same time, I, I emailed Mike again. And I said, hey, just want to give you an update on like what's going on and applied for other accelerators and weighing out the options. And it was funny. A lot of the accelerators and, and people that I spoke to, um, investors, people who work with early stage startups had always said like, Mike's one of the best product people in LA. Talk to Mike, talk to Mike, talk to Mike. Mm-hmm. And it just always pointed back to Mike. So I was like, okay, I should probably talk to Mike. get this guy's time. <laughs> um, and we met uh, downstairs at the coffee shop. And that was it. He said, hey, guys, we think it's cool. I think I understand it. And even though we'd been talking basically for a year, broke mm-hmm. off the, the chat for a little bit, um, said maybe you should start cool. working out of science. So then wh- where's the product at today? So today, the product is very similar to like Instagram or Snapchat. You open up the app and you get a camera view. Um, We wanted to build it in a way that students would understand how to use it without us having to teach them. No learning curve at all. So you take a photo of the math problem that you don't understand. Um, From there, you're dropped into a live uh, whiteboard chat. So student takes a photo, sends it to us. Immediately you're in this chat that's white, a whiteboard and, um, it's one way audio. The tutor is explaining step-by-step how to do the problem. It's a micro video. It saves and you can replay it. And if you still don't understand, you can always talk to your tutor, but, um, you know, we're trying to enforce learning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So by having them start from the beginning versus just sending them the video, they're watching and listening to the process of how, um, the equation is solved. Plus, like it eliminates the problem of a wait time. Got it. That's awesome. You've said before that you the goal is here is to create access to education, right? Yeah. Ultimately, what do you envision as the most important ways you'll create access to education? The only way to make this type of education affordable and accessible is it to live online, right? So mm-hmm. the problem with what we were building before, we were never going to hit the mission. It involved travel and involved mm-hmm. time and traffic and inv- and involved a lot interactions with people and like focusing on a specific lesson and having an expertise on the specific lesson. Um, the way that I view this changing is one, it's affordable, right? Because, um, because people are, are asking the questions online, we're able to connect them quickly with people across the U S versus just in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, we're recording those videos, we're saving those videos, and hopefully we're reusing those videos to bring uh, down the cost of tutoring, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, what where I would like to see it is in the hands of students like Shaq, right? So, you know, in the U.S., across the world, education – well, in the U.S., education is a right. And I say this all the time. I'm like a broken record. Education is a right in the U.S., and – and people don't realize that across the world, it's actually not a right, right? And so 
therefore, an, edu- an education in the U.S. is actually a gift, right? Because if you're looking at countries like Iran, where Shaq is from, where my parents are from, Shaq had to go to school underground because of religious beliefs. Wow. And in the U.S., if you told someone that they couldn't go to college because they were Jewish or Muslim or Catholic or whatever, right, or Buddhist, like that would start the craziest uproar. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but somehow, rightfully so. Right, rightfully yeah. so. And I think even in learning Shaq's story, I looked at I, – I kind of had this moment of like a flash, a rewind in my entire education career. And I was like hmm. – Okay, might have taken my education for granted. Had I known yeah. that not everyone, like that this was a gift and not do. a right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I really want it to be in the hands of students like him, like people who were told that they couldn't have an education and now they have access to it, whether or not the government wants to let them. You started to bring this up a little bit when you mentioned price. How do you decide on a business model when at the same time you want to build something that's accessible? Like when the it's mission so is access, yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you build a company when the mission is access? And you also have to think about revenue and, and the business. Right. I mean, we're just testing things that work mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what's the maximum someone's willing to spend and what's the minimum someone's mm-hmm. willing to spend and, and finding something that feels like a happy medium. Um, and I, I think automa- like automating this will help us get there because if we're only paying for the tutor's time once – to answer a question that we could potentially reuse because that's the way math works today, mm-hmm. then it gets to a point where it can be accessible, right? It has to be right. a business first, unfortunately. Like I wouldn't just yeah, give it out for stay, free. Stay open. I need to stay alive. Yeah. But um, that's kind of where I see it going. Also, there's so many amazing, and that's what I'm starting to look into now, donor programs, right? Hmm. So there's, So I think there's ways... It's okay. just, it's going to be hard to figure yeah. it out. Is your primary demo like primary school kids? Um, we actually don't know much about our demo because <laughs> we don't have a sign-up process. Got it. Just, we just don't want any barriers. But we know that the most asked questions are algebra, algebra 2 mm-hmm. questions. And so you can basically take a wild guess on like what age. Yeah, I'd say like 8th grade plus right um but i'd like to focus on on high school students and and some college it's 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 pretty similar the math that you take in college is very similar to the math you take in high school Mm -hmm. so okay what's some feedback you've gotten from them like what have you learned from them or heard from them your users like when they send you stuff i know i know sometimes they're not just sending you math problems right yeah i know sometimes they send us these so it varies like sometimes (laughs) We'll get really inappropriate content. Like sometimes we'll get someone who sends us like a middle finger, and I think no. they're just like unhappy with the service, but that's okay. And sometimes we get these like amazing praised, like "thank you so much." I don't know what I would do without you. Like and to the tutors, right? And so thankful yeah. for them and what they do. But um, sometimes we get subjects that aren't math, even though we're really specifically saying, "Hey, this is a math app." Right. We got math in several languages at one point. Wow. So Arabic came up um, a few times, which was interesting. The Hebrew, I don't know, random languages, which is great. What has the experience been like building a company in education? Like what's unique about this industry? <sighs> it's an archaic industry. 
Hmm. Like it's just been around for decades, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And somehow I just feel we're not in an advanced place. And I get it. There's tons of budget issues. There's people who are a bit more old school in in position of authority, Mm -hmm. right? It's an interesting space because I feel really good about the work I do every day. I feel that I'm I'm doing something positive, right? Um, and it's nice to be young in the industry because it's a pretty white-haired, hmm. for a better, lack of a better term, industry. Okay. Like I end up being in rooms with people who are much older than me, which is hmm. fine. Um, I'm sure, there's a lot to learn there too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and I'm not uh, someone with like a teaching background. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think sometimes I could be like throw people off guard, right? Because it's like, sure. why is this person building this thing if they're not an educator? But like, I am a student, right? I think I'm just everyone is a student of life. Yeah. And so I think I understand the user more. Um, and I think like there's tons of people doing a lot of the same things in the education industry. And there's got to be a several winners because the, it's just such a massive industry. Mm-hmm. So. How can people stay up to speed, like with the education industry and the system? It sounds like it's always a hot topic. It's always something that people talk about. Usually these days people are talking about like secondary education, but just in general, like how do you stay up to date with what's going on? So for myself, it's it's about connecting with founders in the space, mm-hmm. right? I talk to, like we all share a lot with each other. Um, a good friend of mine is actually the president of the school board or vice president of the school board in, in LA. And so those conversations are always interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just started reading a Medium post about education. Super fascinating. Tons of amazing um, blog posts on there that come from people that you've never heard of, but just like have super deep and it's thoughtful points in the space. So I actually really like Medium for it. Um, there are tons of education blogs. Right. Uh, and I think one of the most fascinating exercises I did in trying to like understand the space a bit more was going to the debates, like hmm. local school district debates. And when, cool. when like yeah. <laughs> the elections come around, <laughs> and it's an interesting, it's an interesting conversation. Get to, to hear what least. they care about, what the issues are. Yeah. And stuff that you don't even think about, honestly. Right. So. So I think I learned about you that you, English was your fourth language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First off, that's amazing. What are the other languages? So I started speaking Farsi and Spanish. Farsi because my parents were speaking that to me. Spanish because my caretaker spoke to me in Spanish. And my mom was like, please only speak to her in Spanish, right? Because mm. she really wanted us to learn as many languages as possible. That's and great. I just assume that we would learn English. I didn't think she'd think it would have taken me as long as it did. (laughs) How long did it take? When did you learn English? So from there, I went to school. I got kicked out of a school for not being able to keep up because I didn't speak English. I was only speaking Spanish and Farsi. And I can only imagine what my social life looked like at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I went to the Lycée Francais, which is a French high school in LA. And I jumped into the French section, learned French. And at the same time, learn English around kindergarten, first grade. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. What's your first step you take when you want to learn something new? I prefer talking to experts. I don't like just going to Google, right? Like, I think that's important. But 
I think the conversation is really interesting and, and being able to ask the specific questions that you have versus just reading what someone thinks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I always like to go to experts. Whenever I, I come across an industry that I don't understand or a topic that I don't understand, I just go straight to the source. Right? Sure. Um, and then from there, I mean, you know, the, not the normal, like mm-hmm. Google, podcasts, whatever. But I like to start with, Who's someone I know that's total expert in this and how can they just like download some knowledge? What kind of student were you? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Such a cheater. I was the worst. Really? I was a cheater. Big cheater. Um, wow. My teachers knew. I was really great in other ways. Like I was constantly trying to figure out how I can differentiate myself from my class. Another part of it was my, my specific classroom was full of like Ivy League students Everyone went to like the best universities and colleges and a part of me was discouraged by it. Mm. Um, And I mean, I went to LMU, which is a great school, but that was like that the bottom compared to everyone else. So I I think like part of it was being discouraged. Another part of it was I had to be super interested. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I also discovered my leadership skills because I didn't like I wasn't an academic, right? So hmm. I was like, how am I going to differentiate myself? And I'd start campus clubs and I ran for student body president every year. And I just tried to figure out what my my skill sets are. Reading out of a book might not be it, but – and memorizing from a book might not be it. But I definitely know how to like – strategy is something I love, right? And so, Sure. Was there a moment when you realized that that was your skill set? When I ran for student body president. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You know, it's like... What was that experience like? I mean, it was... I was running up against, like, the smartest kids on campus, right? And I was just like, how am I going to do this? Mm. And I was like, I'm just going to make... Like, every... It's like, how do you build your company culture? You know, it's like, I'm going to build the coolest culture at school. And I'm going to make everything seem like fun and games. And people Mm -hmm. just voted. And at some point, I had to deliver. And um, I got to have conversations with administrators and adults all the time, right? About how to get the things that I want to get done, done. And so I felt like I start, I had a head start on um, figuring out how to communicate, right, with like the student body, figuring out how to, um, how to get what I wanted from the administrators. Yeah. You know, it's just like sure. a different skill set that I think if you're focused on your studies, you're just not going to hit that until later. Is entrepreneurship at all similar to learning a language? I've never been asked that. Oh, my God. Um, well, I learned all the languages at such an early age mm-hmm. that I actually don't even remember. I, sure. I know that as with age, it gets more difficult to learn a language. Hmm. And so I wonder if you ask someone who learned languages at a later stage, who's a founder, <laughs> what their response would be. Yeah. I think that's a good question for Shaq. You know? Yeah. So Shaq, I know, I know how he learned English. He mostly from Eminem rap songs. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So music cool. is a really watching Lots movies, of words in watching those rap songs. content. Yeah, yeah. Watching like TV shows, movies, listening to Eminem rap songs and like reading coding books was mm-hmm. his way. But I wonder how he would compare it. I'll ask. I'll get back to you. Cool. <laughs> okay. So you were born and raised in LA. Mm-hmm. You went to school in LA. Your story is very much here. How have you seen this city evolve over the course of your time, because this also isn't the first business you've started. So 
I love LA. Can we start with I love yes. LA? Okay. <laughs> Likewise, I love LA. <laughs> I mean, I just really love my city. I feel like I have to say it. Um, why? Why? Yeah. Look outside. It's like <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, pretty nice it's out. Beautiful. It's like sunny. There, it's not too many people are honking. It happens, but you know, mm-hmm. it's not often. You can walk. If you find your spot, right? Like, sure. yeah, sure. LA is huge, and I know traffic sucks. But like, when we're in Santa Monica, is it not true that you can get everything done in Santa Monica? It is like, true. You can. You can walk to anything. Okay, but specifically, what about the people? Like, what do you love about LA in terms of like the other people here? I almost left LA because I hated the people. Really? I almost left LA for college because I think going through that discouraging time in high school with like feeling like maybe I was out of place hmm. not realizing that it was just my class and not like the city but not everyone in the city is going yeah. to Ivy League yeah um, if you find your people like the people that you drive with it can be the best place in the world I have some of the best friends people that I grew up with that I love adore um, friends who are founders in LA who are so talented, helpful. I feel like everyone here just wants to help each other. Hmm. And the talent pool is great. A lot of people are leaving the big LA companies yeah. now. And so there's great like, and getting better. Yeah. A lot are, are getting better. A lot are, um, a lot of people are coming down from SF. I think mm-hmm. people are starting to realize that there's like this secret place, right? Where like it's always beautiful outside. I think in like I think life is all about human connection. Imagine a life where you just weren't connecting with humans and how that would be. And I think this is the best place to do it because there's so many amazing people, so many diverse industries and so many experiences that you can have in just like a few like just take a drive and you can have like a whole new world, right? And so Catches that drive might take a while, but whatever. But you get to know uh, each yeah. other. <laughs> the bonding time. So speaking of people, backtracking a little bit to when we started, you mentioned the Forbes Thirty Under Thirty, yeah. uh, which you now are a part of. Yeah. I, I don't think you said that before. I so didn't. Uh, it was my bet with my dad. No, it was not the bet. It was like he was like, if you're gonna leave the company, mm-hmm. you have to make this list. And I was like, eh. <laughs> Okay, yeah, no yeah, big deal. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, well, congratulations for that. Um, you said before that when you were flipping through the pages, you noticed a lot of people that you recognized yeah. on the 30 under 30. And that yeah. was what like really made it click for you. Those people that you recognized, like how did you know them? How did you meet most of those people? Um, so I have a few friends who are a bit older than me. They're in their 30s now. It was just a chain reaction. It was like a network effect. Like, I mean, I, I grew up with Justin Mateen who started Tinder. And so, like, I got introduced to people through that. And uh, Michael Hayward at Whisper and Dan Mike at Fat Pit Fun. Like, I just started meeting people, right, who I either grew up with or from L.A. as well. And through that, like, just made more and more connections in the space. And then, of course, like, ultimately became a part of the Forbes network, which was really awesome and, like, connecting with more people. Um, and then, of course, like with what I'm doing with the dinner series as well. Okay, so, let's talk a little bit about we'll go that. Into that. Yeah, what's well, good transition? <laughs> <laughs> so, what what's your dinner series? So, I host a monthly dinner series called Mountain Gate, where we get together for dinner and discussion, and the topic is led by an expert in the field. Uh, it's a hundred person dinner. I, I just love hosting. It's definitely one of my hobbies. I think like what it has created for people, whether it's co-founders roommates, funding, 
experiencing life together. It's, it's just been super fun. And I don't know. I just I enjoy watching people in the room connect, hmm. you know, like creating a space for people where they feel comfortable to connect. Yeah. And it's like very different kinds of people, too. It's not just like totally. it's a it's not just like a salespeople <laughs> dinner or like a no. engineer's dinner. It's it's like it's really all kinds of people. Yeah, I mean, the criteria is like you're working for yourself or if you're not working for yourself, you're at a really creative company, Mm -hmm. right? That you're seeing tons of different creative things. Yeah. But for the, like, I'm more about the person than the position, right? right? Like, I look at the person's potential. Like, does this person want to help the people around them? And does this person have the potential to grow with this community? Hmm. Will it help the community grow, right? Like, I'm not so concerned about your title. To a certain extent, like, you know, we try we try to curate it to founders, investors, and creative people, and mostly people who are c- controlling their own schedule. But in the end, what comes down to it is it's all about the person. How do you get that out of people? That creativity. How do you understand it? How do you get that out of people? Like, how do you how do you inspire people to for that to be true of themselves? And with these kind of dinner series or with whatever you do, like- I don't think it's me. I think it's them. I think mm. I'm just creating a space where they feel comfortable enough to do mm-hmm. it, right? So my there's only one rule at, at Mountain Gate, and sometimes it gets broken, which breaks my heart, but, like, I really try to enforce it, and it's no pitching. And I really just, like, looking at my personal – what I consider my personal success, right, and my friends around me and what they consider their personal success, nothing that I've ever went for in a pitch ever worked out, right? Like in pitch form. Like when mm-hmm. you just walk up to someone and you're like, this is who I am, this is what I do, what do you do, right? And like, yeah. blah, 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 blah. it's just, it turns people off. Yeah, and it's, like canned it responses. puts you in a totally different, um, you're just like in a different mode. You're like in work mode versus mm-hmm. like people mode, like relax mode, right? right. So um, I find that if you connect with people versus pitching them, it is natural that in your conversation, you'll lead to, what do you do? How can I help you? Sure. That's what happens when you make like awesome friendships and you build this thing around trust, everything else comes afterwards. So I think it's because we've laid down the law on the no pitching rule, finally. <laughs> and, um, you know, try to avoid making it feel like a networking event and more of mm. like a big dinner party with friends right that that created that creativity comes comes out in the at later times right so like you leave the dinner right. you feel inspired you connect with the people you met there and then the, the like the magic happens outside of that room right like it's, the room is just the start of the magic <laughs> yeah the funniest thing thing is that like what people would traditionally think of as networking the goal of that is actually much better achieved through something like that. Totally. Something like actually connecting with people. Whenever someone says, oh, you're a networking event, I literally want to vomit. <laughs> I'm like, no, community. <laughs> and even if it's just me being like, it's good community, it's community. Like, yeah. I will just like take it to the grave, right? Like, I'm like, it's a community. Like, that's it. Okay, so, so that said though, like <laughs> I've, I've heard you described many times as like a great networker. So uh-huh. like someone who's well networked <laughs> and someone with an amazing network. Vomit. What would you what would you prefer <laughs> what would you prefer be said of you than that? Great person? Awesome. You know, like like good person wants to help others. I don't know. I, I am sure it comes with the territory. I am I do have a great network, but I worked hard for that network. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like I'm just one day I had a million people that you know not a million, that's over exaggerating, but 
that what the community is like 3,500 people now, right? So yeah, over the last two years, started two years ago, April, 2016, I've met 3,500 people that I didn't know. That could be considered a well-networked person, but I put, I, I opened my home to these people mm-hmm. at one point, right? And then I, I dedicate a certain amount of time monthly to make sure that I give back, right? And continue to do this because it does take some work. It's not just like nothing, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that while I might be well-networked, I work hard for that network, so. Totally, <laughs> totally. I think networking is, or at least what people would refer to as networking, is a lot of people just saying what you want to hear, mm-hmm. right? Who do you have in your life that tells you the truth? <laughs> um, my mom. Okay. <laughs> my dad did. Unfortunately, he passed away, but um, he was he was the person that I went to for like the real truth. You know, he's mm-hmm. just like no bullshit. My mom's no bullshit either. <laughs> um, I have an incredible boyfriend who who does that for me today. Like I have my siblings who are awesome and sometimes we disagree about the truth, but sometimes they're right, you know? And De- I mean, Shaq, who's become like my brother as well. I go to him for the truth. And ultimately it's like the people who are around me that support getting me to like my my dream, to my goals, right? And like the people who are just, whenever I look back, they're still there. Those are the people that I go to for the truth. My mentor, Sabrina, mm. she, I work out with her every morning. Nice. And our, our conversations, well, every Monday through Friday morning. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> no weekends. No weekends. Um, she just like drops knowledge on me every morning. And I'll tell her about my personal problems, my professional problems. And she's just a realist. Like She's just like, you know, has had experience. And yeah. You need that. You need those real connections. You need, I think everyone needs mentors and they need life advisors. Yeah. Like I, someone who I go to about relationship advice. I have someone totally. I go to about family advice. And maybe that person doesn't know anything about my professional advice, but they're, to me, they're an expert in family advice, right? Mm-hmm. So I think everyone needs that. What are the goals for you moving forward, both personal and, and to <laughs> Mountain Gate, just in general? What are your goals? I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm in my sure. like early 20s. Actually, I'm 27 now, so I guess I'm in my late 20s. You're in your 20s. 20s. You're in your 20s. <laughs> I'm in my late 20s, um, and I'm still trying to figure it out. But I think, like, ultimately, I know what I'm passionate about. It's education and community building, and I want to be the best of the best in both, right? Like, I want to create space for people, and I want to create connections for students. And as long as, no matter what I'm doing has like some sort, some level of education attached to it. So like for Mountain Gate, you know, having discussions and not just making it an open, no agenda event, like that's an education platform in my mind, right? And so people are learning when they come to those dinners, whatever tools that they're using that I've created, I hope no matter what it is, that there's some sort of learning. And like my personal goals, like, sure, I want a house. I want like, you know, I want all (laughs) these things, but things don't really matter if you just like every day you wake up and you love what you do, right? Mm -hmm. So... You're giving me some great one-liners here. Like, <laughs> like, things will really matter if you love what you do. Like, gold. That's gonna, that'll be a, a promotional tool. Um, okay, so tying it all back. What's something you want to learn over the next year? 
I want to learn how to cook. Okay. <laughs> and my mom is like an expert chef. And I feel like it's the one thing that I neglect, right? Like I'm working, mm. I'm always working on my professional self. I'm always working on my personal self, with it, working out, mm. connecting with people. With work, it's just like, how do I become a better leader? Taking boot, boot camps and things like that. But it's like the one area in my life that I've just, I don't know. You know, and I just like don't want to be 30 in like three years and <laughs> feel like I don't know how to make eggs. <laughs> right. I mean, I do, but um, I think I need to stop being lazy because my mom's an ex- excellent chef and my boyfriend's also an excellent chef. And I just like sit back and everyone is a great cook around me, but I'd like to like nail that down, you nice. know? Okay. <laughs> how, how are you going to make that happen? I, I told my Does mom. Does Toot have cooking classes yet? It did. It did? It did. Well, the, the agency did, yeah. Right, right, right. But we don't do that anymore, so no. But I still have, like, my chef tutors okay. around that I But my mom, you know? Like, it's right. it's perfect opportunity to spend... Like, I'm doing, like, so many things, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to stay on top of, like, connecting with my friends, connecting with my family. So it's perfect opportunity to just spend, like, maybe every Sunday afternoon with my mom and cook. So I need to just do it. That's great. I'll check, part, I'll check in yeah. in a year and see, First see how it went. First part is getting it on recording. <laughs> there you go. This is, this is out there. What is something that you would encourage listeners of this podcast to learn over the next year? Um, I think it's just finding what you love, right? And mm. how you can use it as a tool to like make your life and other people's lives better, right? Like, for me, figuring out that I love to host dinners and educate people has just given me such strong direction on like what I want to do, right? And I think some people just live life day to day. They go to work, they leave, they have dinner, they watch Netflix, they go to sleep, they do it again. And it's like, what excites you, right? And right. so figuring that out is so important. And I think you could wake up one day and be like, look back and say, like, I haven't figured that out yet, right? And I, and I think founders too can be responsible for that. Like they're working so hard on making their business work that they don't spend any time figuring out what they love, right? And what how they can change the world outside of just their business. So it's amazing. It's great. Okay. So any calls to action here at the end? Anything you want listeners to to go check out, download, find to Yeah. You, Mountain Gate, anything. All of it. This is your um, time. You got the floor. Okay. All of it? <laughs> sure. I mean, check out – you can check out Toot by going to the App Store. And actually, it's it's not called Toot in the App Store. It's right. called Homework Helper by Toot or Homework Answers by Toot. Uh, we have two different apps, so you can check those out. Um, personally, I'm pretty active on my Instagram. That's how I communicate with most people that I don't know. Okay. So that's at Sophia Parsa. Just DM me. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, oh, Mountain Gate. Yeah, at Mountain Gate. That's it. Yeah. On Insta. Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks. This is great. Thank you. Thanks again to Sophia Parsa for a great conversation. I think it's always helpful to learn about learning. Hopefully, some of what she shared can inspire you to, as she said, learn about what you love and use it as a tool to make lives better. As always, my name's Laz, at Laz Alberto on Twitter if you have any feedback. Thanks for listening. <laughs>